All right, hey everybody, welcome back to the Brews and Belters podcast where we talk all things soccer while sipping on some local brews. Uh, I'm Keegan Gowitz. Tonight I'm drinking a four of a kind, uh, New England double IPA um, from Component Brewing Company here in Milwaukee. I'm not finding percentage. Oh, 9%. Um, pretty good. I really like New England IPAs. Hello. But, uh, <laughs> this isn't like crazy. I, I had a couple. Like the first one I ever had was one of the best beers I've ever had. Um, so I feel like I've been tainted a little bit from that. But this one's pretty good. With me as always, Tobes in his Spurs hat. Toby, how you doing? What you sipping on? Keeks doing great. Uh, I am sipping on a Montucky cold snack. Uh, come tall boy cans. It's a lager. Looks like it's not much alcohol, 4.1%. Uh, super crushable, super good. Um, saying it's the official or the unofficial beer of Montana, but it is brewed in Wisconsin. Hmm. Pretty sure. Yeah. Uh, La Crosse, Wisconsin. Yep. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So evidently it's out of Bozeman, Montana, I guess, but I, yeah, I don't know. So yeah. I've super actually, good. yeah, I've actually had that before. It is really they, good. So I got turned on to them when i was actually at that pub in milwaukee that you like going to oh yeah red lion shout so, out red lion yeah so they were uh literally dudes were just buying six like the uh, full six packs at a time of them and just sticking them on the tables for everyone to have them so and you good. were you weren't with those dudes you just went up and snuck a beer and walked away oh absolutely them. yeah i know <laughs> i was drinking everyone's beers <laughs> i love it i love it uh-huh. spurs fans welcome yeah red lion pub um yeah this week so uh obviously we've been off the last couple weeks here but um we are back officially uh your boy was getting married so had the on, honeymoon in jamaica it was dope we're on video right now i'm watching you and uh saw that ring come across what yeah is, yeah it's nice oh, i like it i see yeah um <laughs> quick sidebar my one of my uh grandpa's old rings that that he was just going to give me for whatever reason because he's getting old and he's just giving me shit all the time um and i was like well i'll just use that for my wedding band so yeah kind of a couple cool little stories behind it but i won't get too far into that because we're here to talk football so uh we can hop right into it obviously i've been a little bit out of commission didn't get to catch all the matches while on the honeymoon but um we're now through match day five with the exception of leicester city versus united tomorrow Anything that surprises you so far in the table or anything that, that really jumps out to you from maybe this last week or week and a half that you want to discuss? Uh, yes. So just pulling up the standings right now, uh, the things that most surprise me are the bottom three, uh, Wolverhampton Wanderers, the Wolves, and then Aston Villa and Leicester City. Uh, yeah, that alone, like those three are usually in the, you know, the eight through 11, eight through 15 range is usually where they usually where those three teams would sit over the last couple of years. Yeah. Um, both, all three of them do not look good. You know, a lot of the bottom doesn't look good. Everton doesn't look good. West Ham doesn't look good. Nottingham Forest actually looks pretty good in my opinion, but there's just a, I think there's too many pieces revolving. I think they've done 16 signings this, this summer alone. So that's a lot of new, a lot of new talent coming in. So uh, they're not gelling right. So I think just the whole bottom of the table is real surprising to me, but the middle, whatever the top is normal. You know, we knew Arsenal was going to be good and they haven't really, 
uh, not trying to be too pessimistic. I don't know how much you've been keeping track of them, but they, I mean, they've yeah. won all five of their games. Yeah. But I mean, besides Fulham, they've been playing bottom tier teams. So they really haven't had too much of a challenge. Yeah. Uh, but with that being said, they're winning the matches and not dropping points. So um, that's been pretty surprising. What about you? Yeah, uh, definitely the bottom three, especially Leicester, four matches in, only one point. Um, obviously, they've got a lot of stuff going on, too. Vardy is starting to to age as much as that dude can, and I feel like he's just so – he's been so pedal to the metal that we might see him decline rapidly. You know, it might not be an easy letdown. It might be a, a pretty quick decline. And then you got, like – I mean, Madison has kind of been teetering on the edge of being uh, one of the better midfielders, in my opinion, in the Premier League and never quite reaching that full potential. He's always been – he's, like, flirted with it and shown moments of that but never really steadily given us that. Yuri Tielemans was linked all summer to different clubs. I mean, it just feels like they're in a weird limbo in between stage right now where, obviously, in 16 they won it. They became darlings and they've been competitive since. Um, but it feels like right now they're kind of they're past their pinnacle and they're starting to fade out a little bit. So hopefully they'll figure it out a bit. I think everyone sort of loves Leicester a little bit. But um Aston Villa shocks me. Wolves, I'm surprised to see in the bottom three, but not surprised to see them struggling. Um, I thought they were really unimpressive last year, and I expected them to be you know, eight, nine, maybe even pushing up, flirting with that top six. Mm-hmm. And they just haven't been. Um, Leeds has been more impressive than I thought. Obviously, they made some moves and a lot of people had high expectations for them. And I think that they've surpassed that so far. Obviously, only five matches in. And then Brighton, I think, has been really good. And we're pretty used to seeing this where Brighton gets off to a really hot start. And it's just, again, something we've discussed over the years is that depth, you know, once a couple injuries start coming, how are they going to react and how are they going to be able to hold up? And that's the difference between some of these bigger clubs and and well-financed clubs and a club like Brighton that that maybe doesn't have that financial, um, you know, competitive edge that a lot of other, other clubs have. But Arsenal's been phenomenal. I honestly expected this. Again, they haven't played anyone incredible. You said Fulham, probably the best team that they've played. And Fulham is a recently promoted team who's been playing really, really well as well. So um, Fulham and Southampton, I've I've been impressed with. They've done what they need to do to, to scrap out results. And I think they've been actually really fun to watch. Southampton's a team whose defense I've been really impressed with. Gineppo I've been super impressed with. James Ward-Prowse is James Ward-Prowse, so we naturally expect him to be really good. But um, overall, no complaints besides Liverpool's midfield being dog shit. Yeah, so speaking of that, Newcastle, uh, I mean, they look pretty good today. They've looked pretty good throughout the entire season. Uh, do you think they have the roster to be a top seven, top eight team? Top seven or eight, yeah. Um, I think if they want to make a push higher than that, they're going to have to They're gonna have to make some additional uh, pickups throughout the season, maybe mm-hmm. improve their midfield a little bit and their defense, but – um, maybe pick up like a center back and, and a midfielder or two. Uh, but, I mean, they've got weapons and they've played really well, I think, so far. And, again, similar to Southampton, Brighton, Fulham, like they just do the things that they need to do to keep themselves in matches and get a point when they need to get a point or three points when they should get three points. So I think that that's what teams in that 
part of the table have to be able to do too. Six through ten or six through eleven have to be able to like eke out a a couple points or a point when when it it might not be easy. And I think they've done that so far. But again, it comes to depth too. Once we get further along in the season, players get knocked up more matches, especially this season with the World Cup. So I'm curious to see how things unfold as we get further along. Was it pretty harsh? You think Newcastle today? For the, um, the end of for the end of game timing and how that went with the stoppage, I get. Oh. I'm trying not to be too much of a homer here for Liverpool. I get no. Let it let it go, man. I let mean, I go. get why people would be frustrated, especially if you're a Newcastle supporter. But I saw like eight different Newcastle players go down after the 90th minute with cramps, and uh, I mean they might have had ball boys and players on the bench going down with cramps after the 90th minute. Like everyone was going down. Uh, Fabio Carvalho went down like he was stretching out a cramp when he was celebrating his goal. Like after he went to the corner flag and celebrated, mm-hmm. he sat down and started stretching out his hamstring. So um, I don't know if two minutes was super harsh. I mean, it's unlucky and that fucking sucks to lose a match like that. But I don't, I don't think it's, I don't know. I mean, again, maybe I'm just being a homer here, but um I don't think it was super unfair because their goalkeeper went down multiple times. They had a couple defenders. I mean, at, at one point they had two or three players down at the same time in like the 92nd minute. So I don't feel too bad for them um, naturally because I'm also happy to go away with three points. But um, also at another sidebar, watching this in the office, a buddy who's a United fan walks up and points to my my friend who's a Liverpool fan. He points at the – at the screen as they're taking the corner. He's like, last kick of the game, drawn with Newcastle, and then they score. And I just started giving him shit. I was like, Fergie time, time, baby. That's it. That's it. Sir Alex uh, stoppage winner there. Uh, Those two points, I think, are huge for the race. This early in the season, it sounds stupid to even say that, but I definitely think so. Uh, Watching Manchester City and watching Erling Haaland just lighted up second half of the last game in the first half of this of uh this week's or midweek game uh hat tricks back to back like the kid i mean we we talked about it and i'm like i think we're putting too much pressure on him off the back no this dude he's he's like built for this i feel like and he's already won the golden boot before darwin nuni has even got an anger management class like that's how good he is right now so <laughs> how long have you had that one waiting just just a day so <laughs> yeah. Uh, remember like three or four weeks ago when I was like, yeah, no, I think I think at the end of the season, he'll be a contender for the Golden Boot. But I think it could potentially take some time for him to adjust. And he yeah. was like, nah, chill. I, I yeah, he already chill. has, I think, eight goals. So yeah, eight, eight goals. Five. That's over one and a half goals a game almost. So it's insane. Yeah, I saw some stat that he was on pace to score like 63 or 64 goals. Right. Obviously, I mean, he can't keep up that pace all season, but uh, if anyone could, it, it would be Erling Holland. So, yeah. Yeah, it's insane. Um, he is truly a freak. Like, it's it's astonishing to, to see the shit that he does. And uh, granted, a couple of his goals today were just being in the right place at the right time. And that's another thing too with City. I mean, he's got DeBrano and Gundawan and Bernardo Silva and Foden and Mares, like feeding him through balls. Yeah, dude who like passing. Yeah, like he's surrounded by the perfect players for him to just score a fuck ton of goals this year. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, I've noticed, and this isn't to say, I mean, I, I believe the dude can score from all over. He's unbelievable. He's a freak. 
But I've noticed probably four of his eight or five of his eight goals have come literally within like four or five yards of the goal. Yeah. And I, I, I think that that's just a byproduct of playing for city where Pep is pass, 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 pass. When you've got 85% of possession, you can mm-hmm. literally possess the ball to the touchline and just square a ball into the middle and you're three yards out and you just have to tap it in. And he's so strong that he brings that threat where he can be that guy in the middle that it's just get to the touchline, Foden, somebody like that, Mares, who has that pace and that ability to just beat somebody to the touchline, square a ball in, and he's going to body somebody out of the way and, and knock it into the net. Or you can play a ball right through the middle like De Bruyne or Gundogan, and he's just so strong that he's going to body people. Like it's, it feels like they're literally unstoppable right yeah, now. Yeah, and his his just body type, he looks like a grown-ass man playing with boys most of the time. Like, you know, against Virgil van Dijk, I'm sure he'll be a little bit of a height equal, equality, but for the most part, I mean, he's, like, towering over these guys, and it's just, yeah, it's it's crazy. I It's scary how good they are this early, and it's like they didn't, it didn't take really any time to gel or any time to – like uh, get up to speed or to the physicality that everyone says the Premier League has compared to the Bundesliga and compared to like Ligoon and all that. Um, but yeah, it's been seamless and it, it, it sucks for everyone. I do think that's the thing about him too. I, I feel like you could plug him into literally any team, any league, and he's capable of doing what he's done. Like yeah. I, you look at the Premier League right now, there's so much talent and, and like you go all the way down the table I mean, we were just talking about Leicester, who's in 20th, and I say Madison, you know, is a midfield that they've got who shows flashes of being, like, world-class at times. They're, they're and they're selling, last in the league. Yeah, they're selling Wesley Fofana for, like, 90, yeah. 90 million. So, yeah, so. I mean, like, there's just an insane amount of talent, and he's just waltzed right into the league and, and it's been phenomenal. Speak, speaking of insane amount of talent, Chelsea – good Lord, I do not know what they're doing again. I still don't really know what they're doing they have Kai Havertz playing nonstop. Dude does not score. It doesn't even look like he's really trying. He got a haircut. That's about all he's done so far this season. Uh, and then, unfortunately, I really like Mason Mount, but he hasn't looked good either. Between both of them, I was yeah. saying they have yet to score or assist this season, both of them. And Christian Pulisic can't even get off the bench. Yeah, and that's disappointing because I like Kai Havertz, and I thought he was really good last year. Same with Mason Mount. And yeah, neither of them have, like you said, Havertz doesn't even seem like at least Mount his movement. I mean, he's all over the pitch. He's mm-hmm. literally all over the. Yeah, he can affect it in other ways. And at least the efforts there, if if nothing else, I mean, he's not creating quite like he did last year, or even the year before. But I mean, Havertz, yeah, he seems a little bit sluggish, and I wonder if he just feels like he's out of place. Like they don't have a number nine, and I'm I'm wondering how much. Lukaku not gelling with them fucked them up because that was their answer. Like that was their guy. And and they go and pick up Sterling, which is great. I think Sterling will be positive for them, but they need a striker. Like they they aren't going to succeed without a striker. They're they're going to be third, fourth, maybe fifth in the in the Premier League with how Arsenal and Tottenham are playing. So uh, yeah, I, I mean, you can pick up – their defense looks great, picking up Fofana, picking up Koulibaly, but I just don't really know, see where the goals are going to come from unless they're just going to abuse the left side there with Sterling. 
like they th- that's a team that needs a, a true number nine. You look at some of the players who have been there, DDA Drogba, and 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 company, and it just feels like they're not going to get goals until they sign a true number nine. Yeah, or they keep eleven on the pitch. I think it was back to back games they had red cards with yeah. Kulabali and then uh, Connor Gallagher as well, which I was kind of surprising, but yeah. Yeah, just send Gallagher back to Crystal Palace. Send him back to my boys. I would, I would be into that. They Crystal Palace looks good, but they are they lacking something. You know, they're just lacking something. Yeah. And maybe it is that Connor Gallagher pressure up the up the side. Yeah. How do you feel about your Spurs so far? Uh, I think they still have a long way to go. I think they're still gelling. Uh, you know, they had Ease Basumo uh, play today, and you could tell he hadn't really played much in the last couple of weeks because his touch wasn't as good as it usually looked for Brighton. Um, but as a whole, I think they're okay. They're still lacking goals up front. I was expecting a lot more offense, but I don't think Kulisevsky's coming into, into range, but a uh, human son is just not, he's not getting the uh, production that we're used to seeing him. Um, I think he's also having a little bit of an adjustment period. You know, was, Tottenham's always been so top heavy with, Kane and Son and then everyone else that they've kind of sprinkled in some Kulisevsky and some Richarlison. Uh, and there's, you know, there's more offensive talent that I don't know if they're able to gel currently correctly how they should be. Um, but overall, I mean, they've yet to lose, you know, so that's definitely, I think it's their best start over the last, I don't know how many years, but uh, yeah, uh, they walked away from Chelsea and I think they robbed Chelsea because uh, they did not deserve to be anywhere yeah. near that win. And yeah. then, uh, you know, so they, I don't think they've actually played back to back good halves of football this entire season. They've, they played maybe one good half and then struggled. Like today, they had a pretty good start to the game. And then the second half, they were just dog shit and uh, allowed West Ham to get back in the game. And yeah, so I don't. I don't know. Moving forward, I, I mean, I don't think they really need to sign anyone else. I was wanting kind of maybe more of a creative midfielder, but I don't know. I think they just need a little bit more time to kind of figure things out on their own and, uh, you know, just kind of work it through. So, do you see them potentially moving Kane into more of a number ten role and utilizing Richarlison up top when he starts to fit in? And if I guess if not, do you wish? that they would have spent the money they spent on Richarlison on a creative midfielder. Because I feel like that if you're going to sign somebody who's going to play second fiddle to Kane, don't, don't make a $60 million big name signing like Richarlison, who is going to want to play every single minute of every single match, ideally in his mind. Yeah. Um, like, I feel like that could create problems as far as gelling and mixing into the team. Mm-hmm. Do you wish that they would have signed a creative mid in his place, or would you like to see Kane drop back? What are your, what do you think? Both. Um, I wish they would have signed a creative mid, and I still hope they do by end of day tomorrow. Um, I don't know who they would even go after. I guess there's been some Dan James, uh, but that's not really creative mid. That's more of a striker forward. Winger um, type of, yeah. But I was fine with the Richarlison signing. I think he could sub into any of the three guys up front and play play pretty well. Uh, I just, I mean, last year and the years previously, there's been no one to back up Harry Kane. Like once Harry Kane was out, there's no one, you know, like they had, I can't remember who they had as backing up when they were in the champions league a few years ago. Cause he was going through some ankle injuries that season. And Stevie B. I was going to say it was Bergwijn and then it was uh Lorente. I want to say the the Spaniard. 
Um, and he, I mean, he was like a good plug and play dude, but I mean, he's no Harry Kane. And so that's what I think. I mean, I think they just needed a replacement because there's going to be a lot of games coming with champions league starting next week. Right. Right. Yeah. I'm, I'm just curious. I don't know. I mean, maybe Richarlison, maybe they had conversations with him just about, Hey, you're, you're going to be a guy that comes off the bench. Obviously we got Kane in front of you, but just watching Richarlison over the last several years, it's just interesting to think of him as a guy that comes off the bench and him being yeah. fine with that, you know. I don't think he is because yeah. I mean, when he gets on the pitch, he has an attitude and he's an instant spark plug for Tottenham. Yeah, and I, he's doing great at his job. He like is he is the Eric Lamelo shit housing right now. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think of him juggling the ball on the touchline? I think I said exactly what you just said. I, I said Lamella has been reborn. Um, <laughs> like he he is Lamella two point um, which I think is great too. Like I, I think he's going to bring energy and an edge to any team that he joins. So that's nice for Tottenham to have. Again, my only concern would just be any sort of clash that he might have coming off the bench. You know, yeah, because um, that shit can turn sour pretty quick. Um, speaking of Harry Kane, we had a conversation in the group chat earlier. Do you think that he'll break Shearer's record right now? He's at 187. I think Shearer's record is 260 or like 262. He's 29 right now. Um, my brother Ben was saying he thinks he could potentially break it in the next three years. He would have to average just under 27 goals a season for the next three years yeah. to do that, which is very steep. However, he would only be 32 after three years. So if he has a solid five years scoring like 15 or 16 goals, he could do it. So I think he could. I I truly think if this doesn't work out this year and next year, I would I would bet he would go somewhere else. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he's up for a contract extension, I want to say, this year. And I think – he's not willing to sign anything because I think if Conti left, he would have been gone already. Yeah. Um, and I, unfortunately, as much as that would suck, I'm, I would be okay with that. Like he deserves to go to a winning team. Yeah. You know, like, can you imagine Harry Kane playing for Manchester city right now? Like he'd be, I think he would literally be putting up almost those same numbers. He maybe not as prolific as say uh, Erling Haaland, because I think Harry Kane brings more to an overall package to the table than like yeah. Erling Haaland does with his, like what you're saying, dropping into a, a nine role instead of a 10. But I think, I mean, that's a lot of goals, 27 goals. That's average. That's a lot. I'm looking at his stats right now. You know, he had between the mid twenties to, he did have one season where he had 30 goals in 17, 18. That was like, I think the year he won the golden boot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I and after that he's had a drop down where he's been in the teens the last couple of years with a yeah. 23 in 2020 and 2021 but uh, I, I I mean that's a lot of goals dude yeah so many goals. I mean you, 38 Premier League matches in a season that's serious to be scoring 26 goals so um Serie A thoughts unless you got anything else in the prem no, not really. Honestly, I probably watched as much Serie A this weekend and the last weekend as I did the Prem. Uh, I'm starting to kind of fall in love with it. It's yeah, a it's different pace, different pace, and uh, there's a lot more technicality, I feel like. And so I'm getting into it. I was kind of 
joining that Roma bandwagon. But yeah. after I just had like horrible, horrible flashbacks of Tottenham with Jose where they just sit back and defend and defend and defend. And they're fine taking a 1-0. But then you're watching teams like Napoli, even Juve to a certain degree, and these teams are just flowing with the ball, you know, and just moving it so nicely. And then you watch Roma, and it's like dink, 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 and then just chip 35 yards to a Dabala who's running underneath it, you know, or Tammy Abraham. And so that's what – I kind of feel like I need another team besides Roma, and I'm kind of leaning towards AC Milan, especially after the whole a uh, couple things actually. After the whole link today to Serginio Des most likely going there. Um, yeah, I think it's a here we go. I think it's a yeah. Official. So love that. Uh, love their jerseys, those army green kits that they wore, amazing. Yeah. And then I mean, you know, my my boys on that team, Olivier Giroud. I love that guy so much, uh, and he had a, a wonder goal. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't want to. I don't want to gloss over Serie A, so I'll wait f- for for my Champions League predictions for them. But yeah, I mean, if you're looking for a league to watch, I feel like this is the one to start watching. In late '90s, early 2000s, Serie A was amazing. I mean, you had players Zidane, Del Piero, um, Kaká, Pirlo, Ronaldo, Ronaldinho. Like that was the league for a while early 2000s to till like 2007 8 and it feels like we're starting to get back to that now Juventus took a little bit of a drop down they've been rebuilding over the last year and a half or two years AC Milan is finally I mean AC Milan hasn't been a legitimate threat in Europe for several years now Inter hasn't been a, a legitimate threat in several years now and both of them feel like they are like I, I could see AC Milan making a, a real Champions League run. They're my dark horse team. On top of that, Napoli. I hesitate to even say this because I have high expectations for Napoli every year in Serie A, and they never fulfill them. But um, like Napoli has looked really, really good. They're a dangerous team, like Atalanta had been two, three years ago, where they can come out and throw five goals on you in thirty minutes, and you turn around like, "What the fuck just happened?" And um, and they are also in Liverpool's Champions League group, which worries me. Uh, Kavika Kvetskalia, the the Georgian winger. What? Um, what? <laughs> he's uh, become he's become the darling of this podcast. By yeah, the way. absolutely. Our social media, the podcast, everything. I've got a jersey on the way already. Um, I fucking love this dude. He reminds me of Kiesa. Just his work rate. He's super hard nosed, heavy work rate really talented um can run at full sprint with two or three defenders hanging on his shoulders and keep the ball on string like just super super fun football to watch um and then on top of that roma too like you said i think they're still figuring things out their their midfield is zaniolo's had a ton of injuries over the years genie when y'all done picked up an injury like i think they have to figure out their midfield but their defense is solid they're striking. I mean, they've got Abraham. They just picked up Andrea Bellotti, who's been one of the better strikers in Serie A the past probably three or four seasons. He's just been stuck in Torino, who is, you know, one of those teams who's going to hang out in the lower half of the table and just barely stay up in Serie A. And um, then Dybala on top of that, who can play that like roving number 10. So I think Roma will figure things out. I just think they need to be healthy and I think they need 
their midfield, most importantly, to be healthy. Spinazzola's healthy again. Right back, they've got options. Um, so I, I think that they're going to be good. I think they just have to figure things out. Yeah, and my boy Harry Winks is going to Sampdoria. So uh, that's about all I got for the bottom <laughs> half <laughs> the bottom half of Syria. Uh, I mean, there's just so many teams that I just don't know about, and that's what's kind of kind of nerve-wracking about it all. But it's it seems like Syria is so top-heavy with their teams. You know, there's like seven thoroughbred teams, and then you have these teams like Udinese and Torino that are just kind of thrown in there that I don't know much about. See, and that is a fun thing too, and that's why I would encourage anyone to start watching it. Like, Premier League is great to watch. We were just talking earlier about how from top to bottom there's talent in every team. You can throw on a Palace match and there's crazy talent. You can throw on Leicester who sits in 20th and there's crazy talent. So there's a ton of talent all throughout 1 through 20. In Serie A, there are, I mean, Sassuolo has great players. Fiorentina has great players. They sit in 10th and 11th. Um, you know, you get down to Empoli, Sampdoria. Like, they've got players as well. I mean, bottom three, Bologna, Cremonese, and Monza. Not great. Monza's terrible, actually. But there are players that you will find and, and start to kind of fall in love with as you get further down the table in that 8 through 11 or 12. And that's the exciting thing about starting to watch it is, you know, three or four years ago, we were talking about in the Premier League, there were players in, in that nine through 12 range of the table that were really fun to watch. And now it's one through 20 that's really fun to watch. So hopefully Serie A will get back to that point where the entire league is is full of talent and it's it's creeping in that direction, which is good for the league and, and good for the sport in general. Speaking of Champions League, let's get Dude, into Dude, I am ready for this. Uh, coming next week, uh, it's going to be awesome. Like the draws happened on Thursday. Was there anything that surprised? Were you in? Where were you Thursday? Were you outside the country still or were you in? Yeah, I, w- I was in Jamaica. Okay. So, yeah. So that was, those are coming in pretty hot and heavy. And I mean, I don't know. How do you even want to go through the stage draws? Uh, do we just go through all, all eight groups? Yeah. Is that probably yeah, the sure. easiest way? Go through each eight and uh, decide our two, our two little advance. Yeah. Let's do it. All right. Cool. Go ahead. Group A. Uh, group A Ajax, Liverpool, Napoli, Rangers. This is the most intriguing, fun group for me. Uh, I think Liverpool will beat all of these teams pretty easily, but at the same time, I could see any of these three teams beating Liverpool, um, which that's kind of scary for you. Uh, yeah, Napoli's going to be good. I don't know much about Ajax this year, um, but Rangers, I've seen a few Rangers games, and dude, they're, they're a tough team to play, and they're fun to watch. They're very fluid. And this is Rangers' first appearance since 2011 when they uh, had to like go through that debt liquidation and pretty much got relegated out of uh, out of the Scottish League. So uh, I, I'm excited for Rangers to be back up where I think they belong um, as one of the thoroughbreds of of the world. You know, when it comes to Champions League, so I'm I'm pretty excited for this group. Uh, if I had to, well, you know what? Let's. What do you have to say before I give my pick? Yeah, um, thinking along the same lines as you, I think Liverpool should end up top of the group. 
couple things concern me. Uh, the left back from Rangers, Tavernier, scored like as many goals as most strikers in the Scottish Premier League last year. He's going to be making overlapping runs, going ahead on against Trent Alexander-Arnold, who's going to be playing up in like a winger position as he does and trying to track back and cover him. So I think they need to be ready for that. And then Kavika that we mentioned earlier from Napoli on the left wing, I think is going to give him a fuck ton of problems. So I could see Liverpool splitting. I think they'll beat Rangers. I could see Liverpool splitting with Napoli. And I think that they'll beat Ajax twice. Although Ajax is always a problem Mm -hmm. in Champions League. So I see them coming out on top. And then I think it's between Napoli and Ajax for second. But I, I do think Napoli will pull it out. Yeah, I like Liverpool and Napoli. Uh, I'm hoping Malik Tillman, the U.S. international, that's on loan from Bayern at Rangers. Uh, I hope he has a good tournament. Um, I don't expect much from Ajax, especially since they seem to be selling everyone right now, I feel like. Yeah, definitely a different Ajax team than we've seen, you know, two or three years ago um, when they lost to to Tottenham in the semis there. Um, I mean – completely different squad besides Tadic, basically. I mean, um, now that Anthony's gone, it's basically an entirely different team. So um, Group B, we've got Porto, Atletico, Leverkusen, and Bruges. I think probably Atletico finishes top, and then I think Leverkusen and Porto are going to have a, a dog fight for second, and I think Bruges will, especially Bruges' best player, uh, De Ketelaire has joined AC Milan. So I think they're going to be missing quite a bit in midfield there. Yeah. Not much to, in my opinion, to talk about with this group. Uh, I think besides maybe Bruges, I think all three of them are pretty equal. Um, I haven't, I've seen uh, Atletico Madrid play twice this season and I haven't really been too impressed with them. Uh, Especially this would be, I mean, with champions league, because it's not in, in, in division that Atletico can play Antoine Griezmann, more than like the 40 minutes that they're <laughs> allocating to him. Uh, did you see that, by the way? They're playing him X amount of time because if he averages so many minutes per game, then they have to pay like $40 million. Yeah, which is crazy. For the loan. So they it's crazy some of the clauses like thrown yeah. into these. Yeah, yeah, they've literally been playing him like 20, 20 to 25 minutes, and that's it because of this. So. <laughs> So I expect Leverkusen and Adeletti to come out of this one. Uh, I yeah. wouldn't be surprised if Porto did, just because Porto looked pretty good last year as well. But yeah, yeah, Porto and Atletico seem to shine in Champions League, but that's also probably because I—I I mean, I can't speak for everyone, but um, I feel like most people who follow the pod who are primarily tuned into Champions League, Premier League. Shout show. out everyone who follows <laughs> the pod, by the way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Shout out our weekly listeners. Um, <laughs> I feel like the majority of our target audience doesn't really watch the league that much. So Porto obviously dominates, but um, Champions League's where we really see them shine on a on a global scale. So um, they they typically seem to be competitive in in Champions League, extremely competitive actually. And Atletico does as well. Simeone seems to thrive in that environment. So okay. I see Atletico and and I think Leverkusen as well. Okay. What about the, the group of death? Group yeah, C. group C, my God. Poor Victoria Pilsen, man. I watched them. I don't know if that's how you pronounce it. Pl- I think so. Play, yeah, they're, they're Czech, aren't they? Pilsen, yeah. Um, I watched them actually at, in in both of 
both legs of the playing match. And I thought they looked solid. Um, but yeah, I, I see. I see Bayern and Barcelona coming out of this group. But I think Inter can make it really interesting. And I think a lot of it depends on Romelu Lukaku. As yeah. like. You're as, like, but my like, body. Yeah, <laughs> I would I would kill to see Bayern and Inter make it out. That's I'm hoping for that um, too. I'm hoping it's back to back years. Barca just gets teabagged into the Europa League. Yeah, and I, I think it's gonna depend on if Barella can boss the midfield and if Lukaku can finish the chances that come to him. Because I especially against Barcelona, I think he will get chances and I if if he finishes them. As obvious as it sounds, I think that they'll be fine, but I think he has to finish them as well. Um, yeah, I, I, that, that's all I've got. I, I, my mind is telling me Bayern, and I think Bayern's through. Um, it's Barcelona and Inter that are a toss-up for me. Yeah, that's exactly how I am too, and I'm going to go with Inter because I don't want to see Barcelona do well. So. I love it. I love it. Group D, your Tottenham Hotspur. Frankfurt, Sporting, and Marseille. God, you guys are just coasting. Just so coasting that's that's what I originally thought, but then the the Spursy in me came out, and I'm like, damn, Marseille it does look pretty good in France, and Frankfurt won the Europa. Frankfurt, they yeah, travel, yeah. and then I don't know much about Sporting, you know. But yeah, I don't either. So. Yeah, I don't know a lot about Sporting. Um, they sh- they should win though. Tottenham should win. Yeah. Tottenham, whereas Frankfurt you see these players that some teams are signing are being signed from Frankfurt. You know, that's not really the case of Tottenham. Tottenham is doing the signing. They're spending yeah. the money for the champions league. So they should be the front runners. Um, so I expect them and Frankfurt both to come out of this. Yeah. They got, they got more depth this year. Um, I fully expect to see Tottenham come yeah. out on top of the group. And then I, I do think Frankfurt will, will be the second team Mar- over Marseille. Marseille. Didn't they just sign? Was it? Who who do they get? They got someone I can't even remember because they just traded. They just sold one of their best players to West Ham. Actually, um, no, you're thinking of Leon Paqueta. Uh, am I okay? Paqueta went from Leon to West Ham um, and Marseille. I mean, besides Payet, I'm trying to think who they've got because they do have a couple of players, and I just have been so tuned out of Ligue 1 that, that Alexis I, I, Sanchez. That's who I'm thinking of. That's who they signed. Oh shit! Okay. Yeah. God, he's yeah. been all over the place. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I I don't know a whole lot about Marseille, but either way, I I just think Frankfurt, especially after coming off a, a Europa win, I expect them to beat Marseille. Yeah. I say, as I just said, I don't know much about Marseille. No, you're good. You're good. What about Group E? That is Milan, Chelsea, Salzburg, and Dynamo Zagreb. So Milan is my dark horse for the entire Champions League tournament. Um, I think oh, if, if we he, see a surprise winner, I think it will be AC Milan. And so, that's what I was, go ahead. So DraftKings has AC Milan at plus four thousand. So I will be yeah, taking that. yeah, they have them like as the third, twelfth, or thirteenth best team in the tournament. That's insane. Um, I think AC Milan has picked up so much depth in the midfield. I think they're really dangerous up top with Leao, Giroud, Irigi, Super Sub, Champions League, Royalty. 
Uh, <laughs> Are you just I, rubbing, rubbing it in right now? Is that what's going uh, on? <laughs> I think if there's a team that's not an obvious winner, or even a, like you said, not even remotely close to being a favorite that I would be willing to put money on and might put money on, it would be AC Milan here. And I mentioned earlier, you go back to early 2000s, like when I first started watching 2005, 2006, Juventus, AC Milan were competitors in the Champions League year in and year out. And then Serie A kind of went through a lull where they didn't really compete. And then 20, I think 15, they got Juventus got smacked by Barcelona. And we haven't seen them really compete on a European scale. And I think that we're going to see that start changing with AC Milan, Inter. And then I think Juventus is building back up to that point. Mm-hmm. with players like Vlaovic, Chiesa, Locatelli. Um, and I think AC Milan is a serious, serious threat in this tournament. I think they will finish on top of Group E. And I expect to see Chelsea in second, but I think Salzburg could give them a run for their money. Yeah, I haven't seen any Salzburg this year to really know. But, I mean, they always have like two or three 18- to 21-year-olds that are just – good players being sent somewhere. And so I haven't really seen them much this year. Uh, but yeah, I would expect Milan and uh, Chelsea to come out of this one uh, pretty unscathed, honestly. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Group F, we've got Real Madrid, um, Leipzig, Shakhtar Donetsk, and Celtic, which I think is an interesting group. Real, obviously I see coming out on top, but Leipzig, Donetsk, and Celtic are all in my opinion, pretty evenly matched. I think Leipzig maybe has a step up on uh, Shakhtar and Celtic, but overall, I could see those three matches being really, really interesting. Uh, Shakhtar, I think this is the second or third year in a row they've played Real Madrid in the opening rounds of uh, group stage. Uh, I expect Real Madrid. I mean, they're. I haven't guess. I haven't picked who exactly. I think will win it all. Um, but they're definitely in the top two or three for me. Um, as for Leipzig, uh, dude, I, I've been shitting on him for years, but Timo Werner just looks different playing for that team with that kit. Like, I don't know what it is. He's he's good. He's good again. Yeah. <laughs> it's like all he needs is a bunch of Germans yelling at him instead of a bunch of American or a bunch of English yelling at him. Like, I don't I don't I don't get that man at all. But he's 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 good again. It seems like the goals that I've seen him score too, it seems like he has more space in the middle of the pitch to just drift in behind people. I mean, every goal, besides the first one that he scored when he went back, which was uh, we tried to brand it as Belter on Twitter. He, he shot it from distance, but it just took like a little hop in front of the keeper and the keeper fucked that, it up. But that man doesn't have the glutes for a Belter. No, he, he doesn't. But every goal I've seen since, um, he scored a hat trick last week. And everything was just defender gets pulled out and he's like, I'm faster than everyone here. I'm just going to slide in behind. And somebody plays him a ball and he literally like turns his neck around on us. He's got his head on a swivel and he's like, wait, where's, where's the ball. And then he just happens to have space to be like, Oh, there it is. I'm I'm just going to take a swing at it. And it goes in. Yeah. I feel like in the prem, he didn't have that kind of time and space, especially in, in tighter areas within the box. And uh, the goals that I've seen him score so far, he has at that time and space. So that I feel like that's just what he needs. And maybe it just the pace of Bundesliga versus Premier League is a little bit different. And yeah. even just the slightest difference can 
can make that. So, so what you're saying is Rudiger is just going to be talking that shit up on that ass the entire game when it comes to when it comes to Timo Werner. Yeah, because that is Rudiger's gravy right there. Yeah. That's oh, his, yeah. that's his bread and butter. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. Those two practice together. You know that's what he's all about. Uh, group yeah, G. Group G's a fun one. Oh, we didn't. You know, we didn't bring this up. Uh, I'll bring it up right now. But City, Sevilla, Dortmund, and Copenhagen. Uh, we have the Erling Haaland for City against uh, his ex-team Borussia Dortmund, which we also had that with the Robert Lewandowski uh, Barca versus Bayern. So we have a little coming for that, and then the final group stage, uh, which has Juve and PSG of Di Maria as well. So. Uh, I don't think Yaya Torre, when he was pulling all the balls out, I don't think he like planned for this or like, you know, so I don't know exactly how this all happened, but you know, we got a lot of theater as well as, uh, just good matchups. So yeah, group G, I see city and Sevilla coming out of that, um, Dortmund, obviously losing Holland, losing a Kanji, both to city. Um, I, Hel- I just, healthy Gio Reyna, he's coming back. So healthy Gio Reyna, that helps. But I just they're they're think, they're bad. They they don't look yeah, very good right yeah. now. I don't think they're gonna have what it takes to uh, to get through here. I think Sevilla will beat them twice, and I think City will just cruise through the group. Um, Copenhagen, I'm not gonna pretend to know anything about. I'm just gonna assume that they're gonna get abused. <laughs> that that's probably gonna happen. Yeah, Dortmund's not even in the top four of the Bundesliga right now, you know, I mean, granted they have one less point than Bayern Munich, but still. So uh, yeah, I don't expect much from them. Sevilla has always been pretty good to me and they have good young talent, but then they have all these older guys on their team. Eric Lamella, for instance, that are good players that have the experience in top tournaments such as this one. So yeah, 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 I, I definitely expect that, but I wouldn't be surprised if Dortmund pulled one out of their ass, you know, but, I don't, I don't see that happening. Yeah, yeah. And then Group H, yeah, I, I think that's Paris and Juve. Um, you go ahead, and, go ahead and shit on PSG a little bit. I know you want to. <laughs> Just call them weak. It's cool. That's true, actually. They may not get out of the group since Pogba's, uh, you know, apparently hired a witch doctor to to put a curse on Kylian Mbappe. Um, what a shitty situation, by the way. Huge boo for Pogba's brother for yeah. No idea. No idea what's going on. Accusations. Um, Pogba denied it. Yeah, it's a weird situation. Pogba denied it, and then he said he did hire a witch doctor, but it was to... (laughs) Where do you even find a witch doctor? It was to try and prevent injury for Pogba um, (laughs) and not to put a curse on killing Mbappe. (laughs) Like, this is the wildest shit. So so, so Pogba hired a guy... And he's like, hey, I want you to help give me some magic so I don't get injured, even though I'm already getting injured. And then the guy's like, no, I don't specialize in helping injuries, save from injuries. I, I specialize in giving injuries. And he's like, well, let's get, let's get Mbappe in this. These hands, these hands aren't for healing. <laughs> if you're going to injure somebody on your national team, at least injure someone who plays the same position as you, not the dude that you're feeding goals to. Yeah, um, yeah, the whole thing just doesn't make sense to me. It's nuts. Um, I feel bad for Pogba, honestly. Honestly, I feel bad for Mbappe too. Like being dragged into this, you're trying to go out and do your job, and 
score goals against farmers in Ligoon, and now you got to worry about the media. <laughs> <laughs> Not the media. You got to worry about witchcraft. Yeah. Some right. messed up shit. Yeah. Uh, I don't know much about Benfica, so I'm not even gonna act like I do. And then I, the other team, I if if I can't read, like what exactly is going on, and I, I just know they're from Israel. That's all I know. So yeah, I yeah, no idea. So I, I actually did watch both legs of their. No, uh, no, you did. I, I swear to God, yeah, I really did. <laughs> that was like all they had. And when I was in Jamaica, they they didn't have the prem on. They had a few EFL matches. Uh and oh, um, i'm dying right now <laughs> and they had cricket and then they had both champions league playing matches so i did watch victoria and i watched um however maccabi haifa um from israel and i was actually impressed i i was more impressed with them than i was with victoria i thought their midfield was pretty solid again you Are- take into consideration who they're playing against in these playing matches compared to going up against a, a PSG and a Juventus, but um, I thought that they looked pretty solid it, throughout the mid middle of the pitch. And then um, they did have a striker as well, and I can't remember his name or where he's from, um, but he impressed me as well. He's like a physical, like a true number nine, really physical guy, but also athletic and, and has some pace too. I wish I could remember his name, but he'll be a player to watch because he I mean he's he's got that build in the mechanics of a, a true number nine so I don't expect them to cause any problems at all for any of these teams even Benfica I mean we've seen Benfica do really well in the Champions League over the past few years obviously they lost Nunez but um I don't expect them to cause any real ruckus but they did impress me in the in the play match yeah, I'm not even going to act like I know anything <laughs> about that. So, uh, I mean, PSG, I expect to go through, and I expect Juventus to look even better this year than they have the previous couple years. Yeah, uh, yeah. They got your boy coming back supposedly next month, uh, or I should say sometime in the next couple weeks. So they'll have uh, more of attacking front. Uh, Weston McKinney's staying there, and then, uh, you know, you have, you have everyone up up top with like Vlachovic. So yeah. 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 Vlachovic has been phenomenal by the way. Um, there's been a ton of belters since we've last been on here. Oh. He's had two of them from damn near the exact same spot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Those, this has been a good two weeks for us for the brand. Like we've had a, a lot of goals. Like, I mean, there's weeks where we go where we're like, there's been no belters where, I yeah. mean, over the last week or two, there's been tons in all yeah. leagues granted, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's been amazing. Um, he had back-to-back matches from almost the exact same spot, free kick, just dipping, curling, top right corner, um, kissing off the post, just phenomenal goals. That left foot is beautiful. Yeah, yeah, no, he's yeah. he he's a man right now. He's playing awesome, and he makes he makes watching Juve look fun. So. He's actually my belter, by the way. I didn't pick one. I just said either of his free kicks were phenomenal over the last week. There was so many belters to pick from. Yeah, yeah, there have been. Um, and I'm actually trying to go through right now um, all of them that we've seen, and and there's been an outrageous amount. I love Nico Barella. Um, so his belter last week, or actually yesterday, um, he had one against Cremonese off the volley that was filthy uh love love a good volley belter yeah. those are probably my favorites honestly 
Yeah, and then speaking of Saint Maximin, winner. Oh, in the 89th minute, or not winner? I'm sorry to tie um, in the 89th minute against Wolves a couple days ago. Yeah, um, that was special as well. So yeah, we've we've been spoiled with a lot of belters recently. Yeah, uh, I don't know if that's like a, if there's a correlation any of that, all the goals being scored. But yeah, it's been it's been awesome. Those those kits that they wore, Newcastle wore, by the way. Yeah, I wish they'd wear those all the time. Yeah, the white with like the like minty green. green. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm I'm into that. Did you see uh Mexico's by the way? Yeah, yeah, yeah dude, those are sick looking too. They look the, those are the coolest kits I've seen since Afcon. Right. I'm gonna yeah. go as far as that. Whereas yeah. every other kit you're seeing leaked from the World Cup are all dog shit. They're all those shitty Puma ones. Yeah, yeah. What yeah. the fuck, man? Puma balled out for like like a year ago. Puma was at its height. And now they're mm-hmm. like, oh, we're going to release these shitty youth league jerseys for the Dude, World Cup. Those things wouldn't even sell at the Sheboygan Puma outlet. Like, they would not sell there in Sheboygan, Wisconsin. Shout out Sheboygan. Uh, yeah, they would not even sell there. Like, they freaking wouldn't. So, uh, do you have any booze? Are we done with Champions League for now? I mean, yeah, we're gonna... yeah I, think we're, I think we're good. We ran through most of it. Feels good, though, doesn't it? We have Champions League coming next week. It does feel good, yeah. We're, Maybe we're... next week we'll run through a few players to watch a little bit more in detail rather than just teams that we expect to make it out of the groups. But Yeah, that works. Um, yeah, no, it feels really good to have it coming back. It's weird with the World Cup. Like, we're going to be squeezing a lot of matches in before November. Yeah, um, a lot. Which is crazy but it's it's gonna be interesting um yeah very excited for champions league i don't have any boos or cheers honestly my only boo was uh paul pogba's brother with all this wild shit but we already discussed that so what do you got uh boo minus for the transfer window closing tomorrow just because it's been so fun <laughs> there's been so yeah, much been money fun. spent yeah. so much money spent crazy. i mean between just chelsea and manchester united they've spent like ungodly amount of money and there's still more to come i think because i do think telemans that you kind of referenced i i do see him still leaving i don't know where he's gonna go i'd love to see him go to liverpool yeah you would wouldn't you yeah Uh, for fauna um i expect anthony gordon to get out of uh everton i don't i mean i think everton needs him because he has honestly become their talisman um and i think he likes that but at the same time i think that they probably are going to need more money this year. So, you know, getting 70 to 80 million for him, I think is a steal. And uh, I expect Aubameyang to be gone as well from Barcelona and maybe even Memphis to pie one or the other. Yeah. Barcelona, by the way, I mean, we don't have time. We're already at 54 minutes. We can't get into that, but just exactly what we expected. Oh, here's a lot of bad media coverage. And then, okay, you can register your players. Yeah, they literally probably oh, they probably literally sent those burglars to Obomiang's house <laughs> to, 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 to get to get the focus <laughs> off of their shit and onto someone else's shit. They're like Mar- Marseille, Marseille is offering you half a million dollars a year. You're gonna go ahead and take that, all right? Yeah. <laughs> so that's oh, that's, that's terrible. That's yeah. kind of where Barcelona's at right now. Um, do you have a cheer? No, I got nothing. Oh, yeah, that's you. what you said. Uh, dude, my cheer is for last Saturday's game. Uh, Bayern Munich and uh, Borussia Mladenovic. Uh, the goalie of Mladenovic had 19 saves. Jan Sommer. Uh, it was a record, I want to say, in the 
Bundesliga. Love that, you know, just being pelted at. Um, so that's kind of, I'm going to kind of go out on a limb. I actually think Bayern is going to be better this year without Lewandowski and with the signings that they got. And then with everything they have attacking on the wings and inside, uh, I expect them to do a lot better than what they have previously. So the Mane effect. Yep. Uh, <laughs> no, I did see a funny, um, I did see that Jan Summer went off 19 saves. And then I also saw a funny post. Um, Bayern Munich's official Twitter page posted a video of Benjamin Pavard playing a ball, like a beautiful ball from his own third that looped around. I forget who he hit in stride, like perfectly in stride. It might've been Sané. Um, and Sané took like one touch and then the clip got cut off. Yeah. And Monchen Gladbach quoted it and retweeted it and said, what happened next? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure Summer came out and got like a foot on it or a hand on it. And yeah. It away. But oh, that's that awesome. Great. Just some good shit posting in the Bundesliga. No, definitely. Um, Belter wise, just do some Vlahovic. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, dude, the dude's amazing. I did like uh, Saint Maximum that you talked about earlier. That was that was a peach as well. But yeah, we've been spoiled two Vlahovic goals. Um, the same Maximum, like you said, Harvey Elliott and Trent Alexander Arnold both had a couple Belters against. Uh, Bournemouth. Eunice Musa like, had a belter that was Eunice, called off too. Yeah, I saw that. It was insane. Galazzo um, belter. I mean, that was a bomb. Yeah, that mm-hmm. was a bomb. So we've had a few. Yeah. Yeah. Um, another thing I want to mention, Isak or or Isaac. I'm not sure exactly how you pronounce it. Isak. But, yeah. Um, scored today for Newcastle and had a second that was called off for offside, and he sent. I think it was Rabo for a hot dog. And then had Joe Gomez on skates. Joe Mo- Joe Gomez looked absolutely brutal in that <laughs> moment. I think I posted on Twitter that he deserves a three-match ban for that. Yeah. Um, but that dude is going to be an issue. No, I think so, too. Uh, I mean, besides the gimme, gimme a ginger from Sweden, he is – I mean, he's – it's those two up front for Sweden, for Team yeah. Sweden. And, yeah, he is a handful coming from Real Sociedad. Uh, went to Newcastle. I forget the exact amount. I want to say it was between 70 and 80 million. And it was like the record signing for Newcastle. One of many to come. I expect them to have at least eight more that are more than that over the next like three or four years because they're just going to start unloading money. Uh, but yeah, he looks like he's going to be a handful for everyone moving forward. Yeah. 22 years old. Um, yeah. Ton of potential. So. Uh, ton of potential. And not only that, he is clinical. Like his finishing capabilities looked amazing. And he, like what you're saying, like he so he cuts so hard when he was switching back from one foot to the other mm-hmm. that, like, he, I mean, he was sending guys flying. So, yeah, hot yeah. dog in him. Yeah. Yeah. All right. On that note, um, I got nothing else. Cheers. Yeah. I don't got anything. All right. Peace. Cheers. <laughs>